0: So, good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming. We'll continue our discussion of the Bhagavad Sundarbha. We're coming to the end now, and we, we'll see as we go into these concluding Anucheta's sections of Srila Jiva Goswami's Bhagavad Sundarbha, he gradually transitions into the Paramatma Sundarbha. We'll also notice that he becomes very forceful here at the end in establishing the superiority of the Bhagavan conception as opposed to acceptance of the lesser conception of Brahman as being the topmost vision of the Supreme Absolute Truth. So just to remember that these these early sandarbhas by Jiva Goswami are primarily uh, centered on one verse from the Bhagavatam, Vedanti tat tatva vidas tatvam yaj janam advayam prameti bhagavan iti sabjate Those knowledgeables, transcendentalists, spiritualists, seekers of the absolute truth, they view that non-dual substance, meaning something that's above and beyond the world of duality. So it's referred to in the verse as non-dual substance. Seems rather impersonal, but how else do you refer to the supreme from the perspective of someone that's wrapped up in duality? And the address in the verse is a general address to broad-ranging audience of transcendentalists, not just bhaktas, but all transcendentalists. So that non-dual substance is seen differently as Brahmaiti, paramatmeti, bhagavad-iti, according to the method of worship. And sometimes the method of worship is knowledge alone. There's a whole class of transcendentalists. They're not pulling out the arti tray and and worshiping the deity form of of, of the Lord. Whatever morty that may be, according to a particular lineage, they're pulling out the Vedas, the Upanishads, they're chanting the verses, they're entering into what does these verses what do these verses mean? And they're studying under scholars who know Sanskrit deep enough to give them some understanding. And they follow a lineage, and so their worship of God is through knowledge. And others worship through prayers. And we like a well-rounded meal, <laughs> so we, we engage in Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, pada Patasevanam, Archanam, Vandanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atman, Nivedanam. Nine processes of devotional life is what Basically, Lord Chaitanya recommended you can have a well-rounded meal of devotional life. A little from here, a little from there. But if you just like one thing, then just take that one thing. But take one thing. You know, don't take no things. <laughs> so if all you want is the sweet rice, all you want is to hear, then just hear. If all you want to do is to chant, just chant. But generally we find, especially for the restless mind in Kali Yuga, a well-rounded taste of all the different devotional practices is, is there. That devotional practice has to have a firm foundation in some We really need to know this philosophy. I think if we look to what's happened within the last three or four decades since the disappearance of Srila Prabhupada, this continual immersion in study of the Bhagavatam and the Gita and, and the books he left and going deeper and reading the books he told us in his books to read, there's also some other misconceptions that you only need Prabhupada's books. Yes, you only need Prabhupada's books and the instructions contained therein. And those instructions in that say to read, all, read deeply and understand all the teachings of the Goswamis, you can't just skip over that point. It, it, it's an important point, so we're trying to do that a little bit in looking at these Sundarbas uh, if you look back to you know we're we're finishing up now the Bhagavat Sundarba you may not be able to pick out any specific sp- specifics and details of what did I learn, what did I what was really there, I mean, we've we've done a lot of classes. We've done over a hundred classes in these two books. And on the Bhagavad alone, we'll do over a hundred classes. That's a lot of classes on one book, continually. Uh, month in and week out and week in. Month in and month out for over a year just on the Bhagavad Sundarbha and you may not be able to go and back in your mind and say well I learned this and I learned that but you know what you learned a lot we covered a lot and you learned a lot even if you can't put your finger on it it will come up again and again when you study and hear others speak and when you read other books and read other acharyas these things will they'll really enrich your Krishna conscious Sambandha Gyan, And that's what it's all about. You will you will yourself by going over in such a detailed way uh, that we have this, these sundarbas. you will yourself change your habit regarding the way you approach the scripture. You will read in a much deeper, more attentive way. That's called Sambandagyan. thats that's what we're referring to. Really developing a firm foundation, and where that foundation—it's not like there's never there's going to come a time when you're going to think I know it all. That's that's not there. Students forever. Even the residents of Raj are still students. So this 93rd Anucheta, uh we're in the second half, um, and let's go over what's, what's being presented here. Up to this point, primarily Jiva has depended on Srimad Bhagavatam as the evidence to substantiate the philosophical points that he's put forward. Now he's, going to, now he's going to put those same philosophical points forward again. We call this pounding the post. He's going to make the same points again. You'd think, well, we have already heard it from the Bhagavatam. We should know it by now. But actually, he wants to wa- widen his audience. He wants to be able to have others look upon what he's presented as substantial to their spiritual progress. So in this particular Anucheda, he's directing the commentary here to those Vedantins, uh, basically referred to as uh, Advaitins, who primarily their primary concept in regards to the Supreme Absolute is that of Brahmeti. They don't look to the personality of the Godhead, they look to the the all pervasive spiritual underlying substance of all existence, Brahman. So in the first half of the Yad Ucheta, um and let's go back to just a, a recap. Bhagavan is the shelter of everything, including Brahman. That's the point that Jiva's trying to make here. Bhagavan's the shelter of all. And then we used, in order to substantiate, a verse from uh, the Upanishads, Tatariya Upanishad in particular about the tail. Okay, and the wings and the body. So the Advaitavadis, the Advaitins, consider the Upanishads and the Vedanta Sutra as the highest authority. We don't. We're different in that regard. We accept the Upanishads, we accept the Vedanta Sutra. Uh, but we accept as the highest authority Srimad Bhagavatam. So there's a difference. So the Advaitins, they, they have their own spiritual lineage and they have their own uh, methodology in ascertaining what is the absolute truth. So here's Jiva's going to use their scriptures to substantiate the points he's already made to the to the to those who accept the Bhagavatam as the highest truth. Well I'll show you that same exact highest truth is presented in the books that you accept. So let me do that for you. And as I said, is he's getting a little He's going to be, become very firm here in the end of this Bhagavata Sundarva in, in making the case for the fact that the Bhagavan absolute, conception of the absolute is the highest, not Brahman, not Paramatma. So the Advaitins they accept the Vedanta Sutra and the Upanishads, and... Uh, and they build their theory of Brahman based on them. They take verses and they, you know, Tat Tawamasi, you are that, and, you know. Mm-hmm. Therefore, to quell all opposition, just deal with, I'll deal with all of you. Come on. That's Jiva's, he's, he's a great logician. Uh, I can, I can, and dispel all lurking doubts. If you don't think what I've presented here is is can be sustained in in the very literatures that you look to as the highest presentations of s- transcendental knowledge, well, let me use your literature and show you that we see the same conclusion. Um, he will now show how all the prastana trie. Prastana Tri Tri Three Prastana. So this these three literatures are accepted by the Advaitins, who see Brahman as the highest conception of the absolute god head. Upanishads, Vedanta Sutra and Bhagavad Gita. These three together. Namely, Vedanta Sutra, Upanishads, and Bhagavad Gita unanimously proclaim Bhagavan as supreme. So, unanimously, it's it's agreed upon. Jiva says Uh, you're not gonna, and I'm gonna show you. So, in the last discussion, we went over the Upanishads, and then also all three. Actually, all three were presented. Now, this is the same Anucheta continuing, but he's going to bring in the Bhagavatam because there's something interesting about the Bhagavatam. In the Srimad Bhagavatam, we have a mature commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. Well, we could look at the whole Bhagavatam as a mature commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. But there's one section of the Bhagavatam where the Vedanta Sutra is commented upon in detail where the Vedanta Sutra is dealt with in a very, very comprehensive manner. Anybody have any guesses? It's in the 10th canto. Hmm. By whom? Who, Who would be the best? Brahma. No. Who would be better than Brahma? Krishna. Who knows themselves the best? That particular person. We all know ourselves better than we know anyone else. So the prayers of the personified Vedas in the 10th canto, well, who's going to know the Vedas better than the Vedas? (laughs) So we find in the 10th canto, at the very end of the 10th canto, these prayers of the personified Vedas, wherein we have a mature commentary on Vedanta Sutra. That's where this Anoceta continues. It is with the aforementioned intention that the personified Shrutis prayed. And... Jiva Goswami, this is the Anucheta itself, Jiva Goswami is now going to present the same conclusion that was given in the Tathatariya Upanishad regarding the support of everything. He's going to give it now from the Bhagavatam. He's going to tie it together. So I showed it, it's in your literature, and I'm going to show you it's also in mine. Only those who are obedient to you are actually alive. Otherwise their breathing is like that of a bellows. So this is the Vedas. They're praying to to Krishna at this stage. By your grace alone, the elements such as Mahat and Ahankar, just two of the elements, Mahat meaning meaning the general, all the elements. So we have earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, false ego. So false ego and mahat. Mahat being can all of them together. So we'll find this sometimes in these scriptural descriptions we'll have individual things picked out and then a word will be there, a phrase will be there to mean all of them together just so that there's no question. If you think there's any room between one and the other, well, this covers any of that room. So if you think there's room between earth and water and that we left something out there, well, we'll say Mahat. So we have earth, whatever could have been left out, water. So it's just another way uh, that the the scripture covers everything that they present in a very comprehensive manner. Um Mahat and Han have created this egg-shaped body as the ultimate form of the Purusha encompassing all sublevels of being. You have entered here in these five sheaths, or in other words in the five substratums of being beginning with Anamoya. So we're talking about the same things that were dealt with in the first half of the Anucheda, in the Tatyatariya Upanishad. Anamoya, Pranamoya, Jnanamoya, you know. But the support of all these is the Supreme. Beginning with Anamoya. You are beyond both Sat and Asat. You are beyond both existence and non-existence. There's nothing that you don't cover. Even if it doesn't exist, well it doesn't exist because you don't it's part of your not having it exist. That's God. He covers it all and are consequently the remainder of all five substratums and the reality that supports them all. So that's the actual verse translated into English from the prayers of the personified Vedas dealing with the same thing in a little different wording but it's it's there now of course what could we expect Jiva to do but equate words and Sanskrit phrases from the Dattacharya to this verse in the Bhagavatam this means that, that means this It can't mean anything but that. Don't think that this has the other general meaning because in this context, we've covered all those five items already, so this can't refer to that again, or it would be a repetition. So these are the kind of, I mean, this is the kind of thinking, the kind of knowledge-based approach to the scriptures that someone like Jiva and these Advaitins would use. And he's addressing this to that class of transcendentalists so he goes on the living beings asubrita merely appear to be breathing they just appear to be breathing exactly like a bellows they're breathing without life but if they are obedient anuvrida to you if they become your devotees Then they are truly alive and breathing. So, life without some form of transcendental inquiry is really not life, is what the Vedas, the personified Vedas, are saying. You might as well be a bellows. There's nothing in your existence that makes it, that gives it any substance. And this is this this is a message that we see repeated again and again in the Bhagavatam, sometimes referring to human beings as no more than animals. You know. Does not the this, you know, sleep in the you know what's the difference between you have a fancy pillow and and, you know, the animal can simply lay its head down anywhere and be comfortable? What's, that, what's the difference in the lifestyle? Both of you are sleeping. When you're both asleep, you don't really notice notice that you're in a fancy bed and the cow is, is in the cow shed. You're both comfortably sleeping. So we see this kind of thing happening again and again in the Bhagavatam, bringing out the point. I wish I could remember, you know, had a good memory. I could pull out all these Bhagavatam places where these different analogies are used to show that human life is no better than animal life if there's no utilization of the intellect within human life to pursue spiritual revelation. There's really no difference. So this is one of those instances, and there are many more. And we could give classes on the Bhagavatam and we'd come across and we'd discuss them then. That way you wouldn't have to rely on my faulty memory. <laughs> so, but if you're obedient, what's this mean, obedient? If you take the spiritual knowledge under, under, if you become a disciple of somebody that knows these things and learn them under... You know, it doesn't mean that you're going to line up and, uh, you know, play a little bit. No, it means to become a, a good student of someone. That is really the obedience. There may be some little discipline here and there, but primarily it's, it's hearing attentively. The real obedience in our line is Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smarnam, savanam. The other things are details. The principles are those things, hearing, chanting, remembering, offering prayers. This is the principles by which we advance. The others are support, supporting things and uh, are details given by a spiritual master according to time, place, and circumstance. The import is that amongst all living beings, it is the life led by your devotees that we consider to be true living. How so? By your mercy, elements such as Mahat and Aham, Mahat, the all of ingredients, Aham, Aham Brahmasmi, or Aham cow, or Aham woman, or Aham, you know, I am this or that, or some other thing, false ego. Where, where's your Aham? Well, the Vedanta Sutra starts out Aham Brahmasmi, you know, you are that spiritual substance, create both the macrocosmic egg, under, in the form of the universe, and the microcosmic egg in the form of the body. And there's a lot of similarity between the two. Both start out in an egg-like shape and both have a shell around them. The shell in the human form or in the animal forms comes differently. Sometimes the shell's uh, the outsides of a seed. Sometimes the shell's, you know, uh, like an egg. Sometimes the shell is actually the, uh, the body of the mother. So, if a living being, if any living being are adverse to you, so if any living beings are adverse to you. When your nature is inherently such, so merciful, it is only appropriate to consider their breathing to be of no greater significance than the movement of a bellows. So there's no gratitude for for what are all the gifts that you have. And here, this particular verse and the correlation that Jiva Goswami's giving us between the other one is all these different supports. Who was the support ultimately? Support of the who feeds you? The Supreme. You don't make the food. He's made arrangements for you to be fed. In fact, he feeds everything. He feeds every living entity. Might be a different meal. Some living entities have a different taste than we do. Thank God we're not those living entities sometimes. <laughs> uh, so he feeds, he provides air, prana, he provides knowledge. So the verse, again, looking back to the earlier verse from the Tata Tree of Upanishad, is just there showing us that if there is any gratitude whatsoever, then you fall into the devotional class. It may be a little, it may be a lot, but at least it's the beginning of transcendent knowledge. It's, it's a substantial... Well, it distinguishes between what we would call someone that's in a human form of life that's simply still an animal and somebody that's, that's not. Um, next, the Shrutis point out that the Lord's mer- out the Lord's mercy by saying, "You have entered here, namely in the elements like Mahat and Aham." Again, as we read through this, remember this is a, just giving the Bhagavatam's perspective and tying it into the Upanishad's perspective, but arriving at the same conclusion that the support for everything that we have is coming from that Supreme Personality. And then supporting the concept that personality has to be there it can't be just the brahman. Should the Lord ask, how can these elements have such capability to create macrocosmic and microcosmic bodies simply because of my presence? Jeevas just doing a little of his, you know, well, let's just really take this to the nth degree. Maybe, 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 a, maybe somebody would pose this question. Maybe God would pose this question. Well, how can you say this? How can they have this capacity just because I'm in them? Because I pervade them. The Shruti's answer. Because you indeed are that Brahman, the tail and support of all things. Remember the tale from the last verse. In the last verse, from the Tatyatariya Upanishad, the tail was referred to like the tail of a bird. bird needs that tail. It balances the bird out. Take the tail off the end of an airplane and see what happens. So similarly, the tails, uh, just like in the human form of life, to use a different analogy, is like the legs. It supports the whole body. Krishna can say, how, how is this? And the Shrutis, the scriptures would answer the Supreme Lord follow, as follows. Because you are indeed of that Brahman, that all-pervasive spiritual energy, the tail and support of all things, beyond both the Sat, beyond the conscious states, such as love, Priya, which inhere in Anandamaya Brahma, and the Asat, i.e., beyond the inert coverings, such as anamoia. Furthermore, among all the statements specifically, I'm sorry, specifying the various supports, pratistas, okay, again, supports, we're fed, that's a support. Don't feed us, well, we're going to have a hard time keeping ourselves up. Anamoia, pranamoia, we breathe. Without the support of life heirs, there's no existence for us. So all these supports are there as we've discussed, and so that's what's being spoken of. Among all the different all the statements specifying the various supports Pratistas in the same section of Tata Triya Upanishad, you are the remainder of Ashish. Ava and Vakya Sesa, the part needed to complete the definition of Brahman. If we're going to speak of Brahman, Krishna, the personality, the personal conception of the Absolute, completes the equation. Such as the renowned statement found in Bhagavad Gita I, Sri Krishna, am the support of Brahman or elsewhere in the Srimad Bhagavatam, I shall now tell you what the Lord told Brahma, being pleased by his sincere austerities, in order to clarify the true nature of the self while showing him his form of truth. (coughs) So among Annamoaya, foodstuffs, and so on, all the other supports for our existence that are there. That which was stated to be the (coughs) ultimate support, having the form of a Purusha, Purusha Vida, is you, the the blissful one, Anamoya, because you are the whole of which Priya, Moda, Modana, Ananda, and Brahman, are the parts. So we'll finish up with just that definition of what's being spoken of here. Krishna is that support of all these. What are all these? The Upanishads begin by defining Brahman through a gradual progression. First, in the terms of gross body, followed by vital force, gross body, anamoya, you have to feed a body for it to subsist. Then you have anamoya, vital force, mind, manas, the self or atma, vijjana, and finally the blissful, ananda. These are the constituents that are being supported by the supreme that's being spoken up here uh, in this verse. Now, in addition to these five supports for existence foodstuff, air, a mind to put it all together for us, our self and our sense of self that goes with our self, and finally, Ananda, which is the driving force truly of every living entity's existence. We're all looking for for pleasure, pleasurable situation. Um, in addition to these five pratistas, Krishna mentions a sixth in the Bhagavad Gita, and that's himself. So that's just part of the Sanocheda and we'll continue. Next class. And any questions? Everything's clear. Thank you so much for your association. Thank you.